Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you guys. It is great to be with you. My name is Gabe. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Before, um, before we get into the message here, I just wanted to give a quick update on Pastor Mike. Uh, last week, we announced you know, that he, he was having some difficulty. He was in the hospital during a trip to Nashville, and we were really worried about his blood pressure and even the possibility of a blockage. So he had a procedure this past Monday, and uh, we are really happy to report that the, the procedure they did, the test they did, showed that there is no blockage at all. So we are, um, we are just thrilled for that, so thankful. We believe it's a miracle um, because, you know, the, the signs were pointing towards there being some kind of blockage. And so now there's no blockage, there's no stent needed, no surgery needed, and he's home resting and getting his, uh, the meds that he needs to be back with us real soon. So we give God praise and thanks for that. And please continue to pray for he and uh, pray for Mike and pray for Pastor Lisa as well, who's over here. It's great to have you with us this morning, Lisa. So this morning, um, I'm bringing uh, a message on the mission of the church. And really what the church is about and what Jesus has told us to be about and uh, what Jesus has said that our mission is. Before we jump into the text and the, and the message, I have a short video for you. We are part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. That's the denomination that we're a part of. There's 2,000 plus churches in the U.S. And so this video, they went to one specific church, uh, one specific Alliance church, and they asked the kids of that church what do you believe that church is? What do you think the mission is and what church is all about? And so we're going to watch this together now. I'll make sure that I can hear you on the microphone. You don't even have to touch it. Don't touch it. You don't even have to okay. touch it. Because it can hear you right where you are. Okay. This is kind of hard. The question I'm going to ask you, like I said, is pretty easy. What is church? Church? I don't know. I can't. It's too hard. Church? It's like... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a good place to get a donut. And it's a place where I get to play games. Also, there's coffee. Kind of like a hospital. What way is it like a hospital? Uh, helping people. Church is a place where you can remember what God has done for you and connect with people and help them through hard things that they're going through, or just help them through good things. Church is where you can learn, you can do stuff, and go everywhere you want to. I like Alliance Kids because it always makes church feel shorter. It's a place where you sing and dance and learn about God on every Sunday. Do you dance? No. <laughs> My favorite thing at church is to sing and praise Lord. A place where you'll worship God and sing holy songs. Worshiping is my favorite part because I just love screaming out the word, yelling out the words. It's the house of God. They're not just coming there for just so they could be in heaven, but Christians should go to church 
so they could actually know what God is like. It's um, almost like a school. The only subject is you, you like learn more and more about Jesus. It's very exciting and uh, we do a lot of fun stuff with the teachers. Is there another question for me? Church means like the resurrection of Christ, like the envy worship of God there too. They talk about Jesus and it's very good for kids to learn to, to believe in Jesus and to love Jesus. Church is like a place that I can like be myself and worship God. Church is, we sing about Jesus' birthday. Somewhere where you get to go and maybe have some fun activities and learn how to love him. A place you can go to and listen to the Holy Spirit. It makes people learn how to love people even though you sometimes be mean to them, you still love them. Mm. Actually, Mom, if you want to come over here, then she won't look over that way. You can stand right here, right next to me. Church is a place where you can worship and learn new things. We dance and we do everything I want to do. You can learn about God and make friends and the other stuff that I don't really know. The other day, I didn't get to go because of all the COVID. You know that we had to wear shields too? That was kind of boring. The church is a group of people that come together to worship and love God together. It's a place where you, where you get to hear about God and that's where missionaries are made. I'm learning mostly about the Holy Spirit and how it gives you power. We learn about Jesus and things he did, like he, when he died on the cross for us. Church is where we worship God and then if somebody doesn't know God, we can tell them and they are going to really believe us. Today at church we went up on the balcony and we saw five people getting baptized. They put these people under water and it's called baptism. People are getting baptized from the name of the Lord of Jesus. Some people got vaccinated. What, what does it mean when you get vaccinated? Someone who gets in a pool and then somebody who puts them back and then they go in the water. Well, they were just dung in the heads and I don't like to be dunked. Not at all. When you like stand up and like you do this, I don't really do it because I think it's a little embarrassing. When someone's like getting baptized, I'll like stand up and like if he's my friend, yes, I will go straight away and like say, you go. <laughs> Is there another question? I think it's my favorite thing to do in the week. It's a fun place to be and you learn more each Sunday. In my opinion, it's the best hour of my whole week. Yes, finally. Is it hard? Yeah, so hard. We, um, we have to uh, give it up for those kids. They're good sports for letting us laugh at some of those answers. I'm trying to figure out what my um, favorite response was. It, it's a toss-up between it's a good place to get a free donut, <laughs> which is such a good observation, and then... The baptism and vaccination confusion thing. That could st start a whole lot of problems at the church. Oh, man, so funny. And then some of those answers were really, really great. 
A couple of those kids were preaching my sermon for me today. They said, it's a place to come and get filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's a place where missionaries are made. I thought that was such a great response from these kids. Well, today we're going to be looking at a text in the Gospel of John where Jesus lays out the mission of the church, where he tells us who we are, what he's called us to be, and what he wants us to be about, what he wants us to do. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And this is a unique perspective because what we're reading from are some of Jesus's final words to his disciples. These are his last words in many ways to his disciples. And how many people know that last words, final words, they are important? Can you, can you think of a time in your life where someone gave you some final words? Maybe it was to mark a transition in your life or a momentous occasion. Think about parenting. You know, parents spend 18 years pouring into their kids, and uh, then the day comes for them to move out. Sometimes that's not 18 years. Sometimes it's 20, 25, 30 years, but eventually the day comes. <laughs> eventually the day comes. And they, and they try to synthesize all this parenting and all this instruction into one final conversation. I remember I had just graduated high school. Two weeks later, I was moving to another country, and my parents brought me to the airport, and my dad passed on his final words to me before I was leaving his house. It was three or four pages of a handwritten letter, front and back, so it was a lot of final words. And they were so meaningful to me. I know they were meaningful to him as well because he was trying to make sure that he communicated the most important thing for me. And the only thing I'm bitter about is he hands that to me and then I get on a plane sitting next to a stranger and cry my eyes out for an hour. <laughs> so that, that wasn't the best of memories. But um, there was one other time where I received some final words. I was a school teacher in newer public schools for 10 years. And I'll never forget my first day of school. Um, it was a surreal moment. You know, you spend all this time in school, um, uh, you know, learning and, and studying and passing your exam to become a teacher. It's the first day of school. The halls are crazy with kids. And then the bell rings. All the kids dart into the classrooms. And I'm about to walk into my first class where 38th grade students are ready to chew me up and spit me out, you know, on, on the first day of school. And I was young. And uh, my principal stops me before I go in. He grabs my shoulder. He says, Tringale. One, one more thing. I have some last words for you. So I'm ready for something profound. And he just says, don't smile until Christmas. <laughs> and I, I start laughing. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, no, if you show them that you're human, even a little bit, just a little bit of a nice guy, they are going to walk all over you. So, so you got to be tough until Christmas. And then you can show them you're a little bit human. Um, I did not listen to that advice the first year. I was very naive, and I smiled right away, and they walked all over me. The second year, I learned how to be a jerk until about Thanksgiving or so, and, and then it worked out. So we have the benefit of reading Jesus's final words to his disciples in the Gospel of John. And like we just talked about, these are some of the most important things that Jesus wants to communicate to his followers. After spending three years with them, day and night, this, what we're about to read, are the most important things that he wants to communicate. And he spends John chapter 14, 15, and 16 teaching them, primarily to summarize, teaching them 
about oneness with the Father through the Son and the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then he lays out the mission and he says, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to be about. I want you to advance my kingdom here on earth. I want you to preach the good news, heal the sick, and cast out demons in my name. That's the mission of the church that he lays out. But he spends a bunch of time in, the first, in, those, in those few chapters preceding the text we're going to get to where he drives home oneness with the Father. This is where we get some, of, uh, some incredible sayings from Jesus, like, like this first one, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. This is how much the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father. And then he calls the church to be one with him. Then he says, I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Another phrase that he uses, another metaphor, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me. And then after all this talk, about remaining and abiding, he gets to the mission. He gets to the actual thing that he wants the disciples to do and that he wants us to do. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you'll obey what I've laid out for you to accomplish. And I'll say it again, what he has called us to accomplish is to preach the good news, to heal the sick, and to drive out demons. That's to push back the kingdom of darkness on earth in this life and to advance the kingdom of heaven on earth. This is what he called us to do. And then he he finishes with one other thing, though. He he doesn't just end there. He says, abide and remain in me. Um, You're one with the Father as I am one with the Father. But then he says, there's something else you have to do. You need to wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And he actually says this is the linchpin because in another place in the Gospels, he lays out the Great Commission and he says, go go forth into all the nations and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he says, before you do that, you have to wait for power from on high. And so this is the teaching of Jesus. And we sum it up like this, abide, remain, and then advance the mission. You guys say that together. Abide, Abide. remain, Remain. and advance the mission. This is the teaching of Jesus, John 14 through 16. And now we come to our text today. Our text is in John 17, where Jesus makes a, a shift. He stops teaching and instructing the disciples, and he starts to pray for the disciples. Would you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John 17. If you're at home watching, you can pull that out. If you have your Bible with you, your phone, your tablet, whatever, whatever device you use for scripture, we're going to read eight or nine um, verses together. The verses will be on the screen, but if you can follow along, there'll be a couple things that I ask you to underline or highlight because they're real important and I don't want us to miss those today. John 17 verses 10 through 18. This is the prayer of Jesus to the disciples. He says this, uh, prayer of Jesus to the Father for the disciples. He says, all I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one 
as we are one. If you've got something to take notes with or highlight or underline, just underline that last phrase, so that they may be one as we are one. It's so important. Verse 12, while I was with them, I protected them and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. And he's talking about Judas who betrayed him. And then in verse 13, he says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I want you to underline or highlight that last phrase, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Verse 14, just a couple more verses to go. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then finally, the last couple verses, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And the last thing, if you could take note of this, underline, highlight, make an asterisk in your Bible, whatever you wanna do. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And this is the prayer of Jesus. These are Jesus's final words to his disciples. And he really hones in on two or three things. He says, as the Father is in me, I'm in you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So what is he saying to the church? Most important thing he wants to communicate, remain in me, abide in me, and then live on mission. Listen, folks, we cannot miss this. This is the most important thing that Jesus wants to communicate to us. This is who he wants us to be and what he wants us to do. This is the mission of the church. Can we say it one more time together? Abide, Abide. Remain, remain, and advance. Amen. This is the call of Jesus to the church. And there's a couple, there's a couple principles that I want to pull out here um, out of this prayer. And the, the first one is that mission flows out of relationship. If you notice, he spends a few chapters, and then even out of those eight or nine verses that we read, he spent most of that prayer saying, Father, I am one with you. Everything that I have is yours. Everything that I am is yours. He, he's talking about remaining, abiding, being one with the Father, remaining in relationship with the Father, and then he gets to the mission. And so the first thing we have to realize is that mission flows out of relationship. So we have to have our relationship with Jesus fully firm, and, and we have to invest in that. We have to pour into that before we can go out on mission. If we get this backwards, we become nothing more than a military operation, or uh, it becomes nothing more than a business endeavor to just try to get the results we're looking for. But Jesus says to his disciples, and I want you to think about that audience for a moment. He says, abide and remain in me. Now, he's saying this to the disciples who have just spent three years with Jesus. And they spent morning, noon, and night together. It's not like three years in modern times where we all go to our jobs 40, 50 hours a week and you know, we might see each other for dinner. This is 
a, a culture and a time period where three years was a lot of time. That was all day, every day. So they just finished spending three years with him. And now he's saying, hey, this is your mission. Go preach the good news. Go heal the sick. Go advance the gospel. Go cast out the devil and all the spheres of influence that I've given you. But he says, you can't do that unless you abide and remain in me. What do I think that means? I think that means that it's a daily choice to foster our relationship with Jesus. We can't look at this in a linear um, manner. We can't say, well, I established a good relationship with Jesus years ago, so now I can go do the mission. But this is something that we have to work on. It's a daily choice to abide and remain. I love the psalmist David. I believe David understood this principle that you can be in two places at once and you can do two things at once. The psalmist prayed that, or said this. He said, it's better to be in the house of the Lord than anywhere else. And then he said, there's this one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, that I would dwell with the Lord forever. That's his prayer. And that sounds like he just wants to sit in church and worship all day long. But this is King David who accomplished so much for the kingdom of Israel. He accomplished so much for the Lord. He understood that you could abide and remain and be on mission and complete the mission. Not only can you do that, but that's really the only way to do this is to abide and remain and then carry out the mission. You have to do both together. Mission flows out of relationship with Jesus through the Father and then the promise of the Holy Spirit Jesus said to his disciples, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to be about. And then he said, but you need to wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, this is a great day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, you cannot complete the mission apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. He even said it this way, it's actually good that I'm leaving you. Because if I wasn't going to leave you, the, the great comforter, the great counselor, the one that would fill you would not come. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So we have to get this straight, abide, remain, and then advance the mission of Jesus. There's one other principle I want to touch on about the mission that God has called us to. And that is that mission brings fullness of joy. If you go back to our text, back to verse 13, Jesus says that I'm sending you into the world so that you may have the full measure of my joy within you. How many people want more joy in their life? Come on. I mean like real joy. Now, joy is not synonymous with happiness. Because if you pay attention to the previous chapters and some of the previous verses Think about all the things that Jesus said about this world. He's like, Father, you're taking me out of the world, but I'm not taking my followers with me. I'm leaving them here. <laughs> They're in the world. And then he says a couple other things about the world. He said in John 15, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> Isn't that comforting? <laughs> in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then he said, you're remaining in the world and the world will hate you because of me. Now, that doesn't sound like a great time. <laughs> that doesn't sound like happiness and comfort and, and nothing but smiles. You know, that sounds like we're going to have difficulty in life. But Jesus says we can hold on 
to joy. We can keep our joy even in the midst of those earthly struggles. That's what his word is to us. I'm sending you on mission so that you will know the full measure of my joy. I talk with people um, all the time, pretty frequently actually, that are questioning their meaning and their purpose in life. And they question what they're, what they're even doing. They're like, you know, a, a job that I thought was going to work out didn't work out. And now my world is rocked and I don't know what to do. A relationship that I was certain was so good and was going to last forever, it's now broken and I don't know what to do. And they're crushed to their core. Their, their very identity, their meaning, their purpose in life is shaken. And I think it's because, and I can fall into this camp as well, I think it's because we have not understood where our full joy really rests. Our full joy rests in being on mission with Jesus, not in earthly, temporary things. Amen? And so I want you to ask yourself this question today. And, and not just today, but make this a question you kind of uh, give yourself a gut check with, you know, frequently. If I'm experiencing a lack of joy, ask yourself, am I living on mission with Jesus? And be honest with yourself. And, and again, what is the mission? You got to come back to the mission. The mission is preach the good news, heal the sick, and cast out demons. That's the mission of God. And I'll make a little sidebar here. He didn't just call pastors to do this work. He did not just call pastors to do this work. He calls all of us to do this work. I want to make one other point here. I love Sunday mornings. It is one of my favorite hours of the week, if not the, my, my most favorite hour. I love seeing everybody together. I love that I can see a bunch of our faces now too. Um, I love seeing everybody together. I love worshiping together, praying together, um, you know, hearing the word taught. I love this experience, but can I be really honest and it's gonna sound harsh? This hour is not the mission. It's a, it's a part of the mission. It's certainly instructed, do not forsake the assembly of the church so Jesus loves this hour. God is for this hour and, and he wants the church to come together. But this is not the mission. There's 168 hours in a week. This is only one hour. The mission is what takes place the other 167 hours in the week. The mission is what we do in our sphere of influence and in our, in our relationships. It's, it's how we interact with the people we work with. It's, um, it's how we interact with people in everyday occurrences, at the grocery store, at the community pool, at the Little League game. These, <laughs> these conversations, these encounters, these relationships, this is where the mission, where we're called to advance the mission. Amen? I know it's a little quiet in here. This is a hard word, but I believe that this is the word of the Lord for the church, and I'm preaching to myself this morning. You know, there's, there's three pitfalls um, that keep us from getting on mission and staying on mission with Jesus. There's three things, and uh, none of them are very fun. <laughs> the first one is selfishness. And if I'm honest with myself, selfishness definitely keeps me from being on mission at different times because I want to protect, you know, uh, maybe my status with a group of friends, or I, want to, I don't want to look like a fool. 
I don't want to look like I'm smacking anybody over the head with the Bible and preaching at them. Or, or I don't want to look like the weird one talking about God or Jesus or whatever. And so out of, out of fear, really, of what that might do to me, I, I can choose selfishness at times to not be on mission. Let me tell you a story. In World War II, there was an Allied plane on a mission flying over the Pacific Ocean, and it was shot down, crashed in the middle of the ocean. Everyone on board perished except for three crewmen. And one of the crewmen, um, this guy by the name of Louis Zamperini, he, there's a book about his life called Unbroken. There's a movie as well, but the book is way better than the movie anyways. Um, so this story is fascinating. They, they, re, they um, survived 40, over 40 days on a life raft. Just insane, this story. But the part I want to focus on is one bag of supplies survived the crash with these three men on a life raft. And inside that bag of supplies was one bar of chocolate. And um, they decided, they were trying to calculate how many days they thought they would be adrift at sea before they would get rescued or captured. And uh, they decided that they would break off these little tiny squares of chocolate one each in the morning, one each at night, and that would sustain them as long as it, you know, they had it. And after a few days of this, Louis woke up one morning to get out the bar of chocolate, and he went in the bag to get it, and the bar of chocolate was gone. One of the, the, the third crewmen had eaten the entire bar of chocolate. It was a death sentence, not only for the other two guys, but even for himself. This guy consumed what was good for him without concern for those that were in that life raft with him. He was so focused on satisfying his own needs and his own desires that he had no concern for the other people in the boat with him. Listen, I think the call to the church today and every day is to not be so consumed with ourselves that we forget about those around us. The gospel is good news for us. It's, it's awesome, you know, and I, I want us to engage with the gospel on a personal level. But the call is to have concern for the other people around us. We cannot let selfishness keep us from sharing, and adv- sharing the gospel and advancing the mission. Amen? Another uh, pitfall that keeps us from being on mission is we can compartmentalize the gospel. And, and what do I mean by this? We don't let the, the full gospel fully change us. Listen, the gospel is either all true or it's not true at all. Uh, a lot of times we approach our life with this word called balance. And we think that, you know, and even, I think we might even do this subconsciously, so we might not verbally say it or, or, or think this clearly, but we think, you know, so long as we're going to church on Sunday and so long as we're a pretty good person, And so long as we volunteer here or there, we're pretty much good to go. And we have not let the whole gospel or all of Jesus change all of us. We've actually, I think in many ways subconsciously, passively, compartmentalized the gospel for our lives. And we've said, Jesus, you're good for some parts, but not all parts. And the call today is to let the full gospel change all of us, to let Jesus into every place and hold nothing back from him. The third pitfall that keeps us from staying on mission 
is we don't fully believe that Jesus is the only way. Now, I know that sounds almost silly because if I was to um, put out a survey right now, one question, true or false, is Jesus the only way to the Father? Is he the only way to heaven? Is he the only way, way to right relationship with God? I think just about everybody in here, and especially if, if, if you um, are in the faith and, and you, you call yourself a Christian, everybody would say, yes, that's true. He's the only way. But the question to ask ourselves is, does our life match up with what we say we believe? Because if Jesus, if we truly believe that Jesus is the only way, how could we let others go through life around us without sharing him with them? How could we continue to, to consume what's good for us without concern for the other? And so I believe the call today as I close is to allow, is to allow the full gospel to change all of us and to believe, really believe, and let that affect how we live, that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And that's gonna begin to change how we encounter our friends, how we encounter our family, how we approach encounters around us. Now, in, in closing, I wanna share this with you. I am not advocating <laughs> uh, that, you know, next time you're with a group of friends, and at the workplace or wherever that you just take out your Bible and start smacking them on the head or that you just start quoting scripture randomly at the supermarket. Um, I believe that there is, we have to do this a couple of ways. We have to abide and remain. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We also have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to know how he's calling us to share, how he's calling us to talk to our friends and our family and even strangers that we meet. And the shift is very subtle. The shift that we need to make to get on mission is actually really subtle. And it goes something like this. Maybe, maybe you're at a, at a work event and you're hanging out with a few friends and you're standing around and people are talking and somebody mentions that their loved one, family member, parent, whomever is in the hospital or they're sick or they're not doing well. Now, maybe not right there you want to just kind of be sort of odd or, or weird and be like, hey, can I pray for you? Sometimes that might be what the Holy Spirit's asking you to do right in that moment. But it also could look like this. Later on that evening, the next morning when you wake up, you shoot them a text and say, hey, I know you said that you know your father's in the hospital. I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is a healer. Could I pray with you? Could I come to the hospital with you and just pray over them? You'd be amazed at how many people say yes to that kind of a request. Very few people will say, no, I don't want your prayer. Even the non-religious, even the anti-religious, they will oftentimes say, sure, I'll take, you know, they, they might phrase it like, I'll take all the positive vibes I can get or all the good thoughts or whatever. But it's a, take that positive vibes. That's an open door. But, you know, they're opening the door a little bit, just bust all the way through and offer to pray for them and then watch God show up and, and do what he does because the results aren't up to us. It's the Holy Spirit that does the work. And likewise, you know, I've been in, in situations where people might share 
you know, maybe it's not um, someone that's sick, but maybe it's a broken relationship. You know, yeah, my, my marriage isn't doing so great or, or my relationship with my boyfriend or girlfriend isn't doing so great. Same thing. It's an open door. Follow up with that conversation and just hey, say, hey, you know, um, I, I, like for me, I've been married for 14 years. Believe me, I know marriage can get rocky. <laughs> You're not alone in this. So let me tell you what my wife and I do. We pray together. We ask the Lord to come and to heal us. We actually don't look at each other to fulfill the other one. You know, we actually look to God to fulfill us individually. And then we come together and serve and honor one another that way. It's amazing how this shift to get on mission is so subtle. It's just changing how we interact with the relationships that we already have. Amen. Does that make sense? Why don't you guys stand with me? The call today is to get on mission. The call is to to answer, answer this call that Jesus has laid out in the gospel of John to abide, to remain, and to advance the mission. And I I just want to say this over you. Don't let guilt or condemnation um, weigh you down this morning. Maybe some of us are thinking about missed opportunities. Maybe we've been, we've been upset with ourselves about missed chances and missed opportunities that we've had. Don't let that keep you back. There is no better day than right now, today, to get on mission with Jesus. And that's a daily choice. You can do that every day. You know, one lie that the enemy loves to say is, you can't share about God. You're not perfect. You can't share about your faith. You're a terrible Christian. You know, you you haven't read your Bible in this amount of time or you haven't done this or you haven't done that. The enemy loves to tell us all the reasons why we shouldn't be on mission. But God says that his mercies are new every morning. And God says that every day we can choose to abide, remain and advance the mission. Would you close your eyes, put your hands out and let's just pray together. We're gonna ask the Lord to meet us right where we are. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill us. Father, we are your church. We are your people. Lord, we thank you for your words to us, your last words, some of the most important teaching to abide, to remain, to advance the mission. Lord, we want to be a people that say yes to you. We know we cannot do this apart from you. So we ask Holy Spirit to come and fill us now. Would you just say that? Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill us as your church. Fill us as individuals. Fill us as families. Fill us as a church, your church. Let me just say a prayer blessing over you. Father, I bless every person in this room, every person watching online at home. I bless them to abide, to remain one with the Father through the Son. I bless them to hear from the Holy Spirit and know when and where to advance your gospel, to preach the good news, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. I bless them to carry the mission and to advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Now with our eyes closed, I just 
want to offer this invitation. If, if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never fully dedicated all of you to all of Jesus, if you've never received all of Jesus, the life-changing power of Jesus, there is no better day than today to enter the family of God. The word says that today is the day of salvation. And so if you're standing here, you're watching online and you wanna dedicate your heart to the Lord, maybe for the first time, maybe, maybe you did it some time ago, but you've walked away. I would love to talk with you. I would love to, to pray with you. Even right now, would you just simply pray this? Lord, I give you my heart. You can have all of me. I receive your gift of salvation. I receive your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.